This is Disney Forever. Welcome to our perpetual Disney movie investigation podcast. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie, who has amazing pull quotes like this. You got something sporty, you know, like a tuna? (laughs) Today's feature presentation is Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Katie, what's the deal with this one? Well, it's a movie about Atlantis, and it's animated, but it's a weird animation. (laughs) Yes, it is weird. I had never seen this one. And you and I were just talking about this before we started recording. I don't know how this one passed me by because I saw all the other Disney movies from this time period. Like this came out in 2001. I saw a lot of Disney movies right before it and right after it. I don't know how I had never seen this one. I mean, it is very interesting that you didn't because I feel like this movie would have been a bit up your alley. To like it watch. seems like it should have been. Um It's kind of weird for a Disney animated movie, though. I mean, I know we'll talk about it as we get into it. So I pulled a little bit of the history for this one. Um, Like you said, the animation style is a little bit weird. It kind of fell at a strange time in filmmaking because this is like between when Disney was fully 2D and when they went like fully 3D with animation. And you can tell that they're experimenting with like where that line is. So this uses a lot more CGI and multi-planing than any other Disney animated film at that point. And a lot of the ones later too didn't use it in the same way that they did here. So the complexity level that they set up for themselves with this movie was just astronomical because of the way that they integrated 3D and 2D. And that was one of the main things going on with the movie that gives it this kind of like weird yet unique feel to the animation is that it's actually integrating 3D models and like 3D animation with a lot of hand-drawn 2D art assets and that gives the movie its unique like look and feel. Um, that being said, the the history of this one and maybe this is why I never saw it, but it was competing with other movies at the box office that actually it didn't really win the fight. It came out right at the same time or within like a week or two of Shrek and the first Tomb Raider movie. And it, you know, Shrek has hold, held up over time. Like most people still know Shrek. Tomb Raider has not really held up at the, over time. But when it came out in 2001, both of those were gigantic tentpole movies that like everybody was seeing. And this released right between them or right near the same time as them. And it, it never really like won the fight against them. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, it also, like, we've talked about this before with other films where Disney is notorious for releasing movies when there's a trend going on. Yes. And I'm looking at some of the popular movies that came out in 2001, which, like, we mentioned Shrek. Um, also, like, Spirited Away came out, and so did Monsters, Inc. And then, like, Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius. You have these, like, more science-y movies coming out, right? Um, yeah. Spy Kids, which is like action packed and has gadgets and things like that, sort of like Atlantis does. So there were a number of movies that are like similar in ways that came out. And Disney, like, I was reading up on this movie on Wikipedia and it said that like the animation is a bit different because they used a comic book artist. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So they were focusing on like his style of art, which they really liked. And you can see this kind of art in there's like a couple other movies that are similar. Like um, I think it's Treasure Planet. And there's like one other movie that has art kind of like this one. That's also yeah. a Disney movie. Um, But also like one of the things that I found really interesting is that it said that they hired a linguist. Um. 
and he created an Ant- Atlantean language sp- specifically for this movie. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, so they did like they did a they tried to take a lot of risks, right? And like you bring up some other stuff later on too on a, and like our next section about like uh, things that popped out that. Yeah, I mean, let's get into it. Like, you know, from a high level, like what jumped out to us? Um, And so the animation technology, like I talked about, you know, it was an early kind of like 3D mapping technology that they used. And then um, the other thing from like a character and like art perspective was that they used 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea to get a lot of the look and feel of this movie. And I only noticed that because we happened to watch 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea for this first season of the podcast. Um, If I hadn't seen that, I never would have picked up on it. But having seen the Disney version of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, there are so many things that they took from that for the look and feel of this one. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Like when you sent me that, I was like, I was like, you're right. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, like it made a lot of sense. Yeah. What else did you pick up on, though? Um, I mean, you could pretty much guess what the story was going to be without like, yeah, trying really hard. And also, like, I started picking up on like elements of movies like later on, right? So like in this one, you have um the character who's supposed to like resemble like a mole or something, and he has that like digger uh vehicle. Totally mm-hmm. reminded me of the end of the first Incredibles. Oh yeah, okay, I can see it. Yeah, so I don't know if, like, they're just, like, putting different elements or stuff. They're notorious for doing that. Well, one thing that you and I were texting about this one, because you knew this movie really well, and I had never seen it. Mm -hmm. So as I was watching, I was texting you about it. And we kind of landed on that the story is almost like an underwater Tarzan story (laughs) in a weird kind of way. It's like you can tell they're reusing some of the same concepts here. Oh, yeah. I mean, very much so, because the storyline pretty much follows almost the same like plots because and even the like the main like captain dude kind of reminds you of the other guy from Tarzan yes oh totally yeah so it's it's interesting because they have like they have very similar storylines with like Milo not having parents and then like him being raised by his grandfather versus like Tarzan was raised by gorillas but it's just like the whole thing with like, oh, there's people that are pretending to be good, but they really are just trying to steal your stuff. And that's yeah. that's basically the plot of Tarzan and this film. Essentially. Yeah. When you like uh, the main actor, too, right? Oh, yeah. The voice of Milo is Michael J. Fox. Yep. That jumped out at me right away. I was like, oh, I didn't know he was in this movie. Like I said, I'd never seen it before. It just wasn't on my radar. Um, also, like the captain guy, his voice is done by James Garner too who's also like a really prominent actor that i've seen a bunch of him in a bunch of movies also so yeah i mean the couple other things that like i thought from a high level were um i like the explosive expert guy he he was just funny it totally worked for me all of his jokes and his like deadpan humor um i liked basically every time that he made a joke um i was laughing and then one of the things overall is that like there's this whole crew on this exploration right so the plot which we didn't even really talk about but um they they get some research funding and they're gonna go look for the lost city of atlantis and then they find it 
um, and there's like magic and superpowers and they want to get a bunch of the stuff and take it away to make money. Um, but then the main character, of course, wants to stay and like free the people and make sure that they can be independent and like restore Atlantis. That's that's the movie in a nutshell. So one of the interesting things is that the character design, um, there's a whole crew of characters and there's this like core crew of people with different skills, right? There's like a medic, there's a do- like the doctor guy, there's the driller that you were talking about, there's like the mechanic, there's the captain, and every one of them has a unique silhouette. And that's one of those things in character design that when it's done well, you can tell characters without ever seeing the detail drawn in or any of the coloring or anything. You can just knock them back to a silhouette, black and white. And if you can tell what the character is and who they are, you've done a good job of character design. And every single one of the main characters and the main crew in this movie has a unique silhouette. And that was something that jumped out to me. So I had to call it out. I mean, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Because every single one of them is different. And I also kind of love that they put um, who they chose to be the different characters was not what you would have expected, right? So, like, the doctor is the tall, super buff um, black guy, whereas, like, the the mechanic is, like, the short, tiny, like, girl. Yeah, she's like a teenager. Yeah. And, like, I love the... I also love that you said that you love the explosive expert because he's super funny and very Italian, which I love. He was good. Um, The other thing with this movie is that the pacing was like really weird. It was strange. It wasn't bad, right? Like I know when a movie is badly paced and this one wasn't, but it was almost, I've been thinking about this for days since I watched it, trying to put my finger on it because there's something off about it. And I think what I finally landed on is that it's a Disney movie some ways in the structure, but where in another Disney movie, there would be a song for like a main story point in this movie instead there's an action scene so it feels like the characters are almost ready for like a big revealing moment or character development or something and then they could burst into song but instead an explosion happens or like a dramatic like oh my gosh like the whole crew's gonna die like things like that come up and it just it felt weird because it's not what i'm used to from a disney movie there's also not a whole lot of character development in this movie and it moves fairly quickly too yeah it does they they don't really grow as characters it's just like a series of things that happen to them and around them yeah they like it's interesting because i mean they go from like oh we're gonna follow the person that we're here for and complete our mission to maybe this isn't so great and they like stop being bad people and like try to help yeah um like you said the predictability like even when you meet the crew you know that some or like at least one of them if not a few of them are evil in one way or another it's just it's obvious from the first moment that that's the way this story is going to go oh absolutely like you can definitely tell that the crew itself is going to be great and then the two bad people are going to be that like are they stand out super obviously yes very much so which kind of gets us into the moments a little bit. I mean, that was one moment I called out was meeting the crew. The other one that jumped out to me was the Leviathan scene. So this is after they are on their way on their journey and they're underwater. They're looking for Atlantis, but they haven't gotten into the like cave system yet where they can get out of their submarine and actually like walk again. And they get attacked by this giant. It's actually like a it's not even a monster straight up, but it's kind of like a machine, like a magic machine monster type of thing called a Leviathan. And that scene specifically was super intense like 
I watching that scene, I just couldn't believe that this was a kid's movie because like people died in that scene. Like there was like water coming into chambers and then they'd be like, oh, there's not enough time for those people to make it like seal the chamber. They're not getting out. And it it basically goes from having like hundreds of people on this expedition to having like 20 like they decimated the crew and none of it was gory, but enough of it happened like in the frame or just out of frame where you were just watching them that it was that was an intense scene for a kid's movie i mean this movie started out with them killing a bunch of people so you're not wrong i mean it's it was interesting that they did just like kill off a bunch of people but those were like those those extra weight that they needed to get rid of to move the story forward sorry yeah yeah it's true what else what else jumped out to you for moments um what the heck was with the super rickety bridge like what is that (laughs) i don't know i never put that together either like they're supposed so atlantis is supposed to be this place with super advanced technology and all that stuff but they can't build a proper bridge from like (laughs) their mystery island place to the other half of the land but all right like it's just a strung some wood together yeah Okay. Also, did you catch that Leonard Nimoy was the voice of the king? I did. Yeah, I actually noticed that one. Okay. I really like that, too. Also, I find the king to be not a great person in this either. (laughs) Yep. I agree. I mean, if you think about it, he took the like energy source, like their main power source or whatever, and hid it because he was afraid that what would happen to his wife would happen to his daughter, which he didn't want. And so he hit it, but then his people started to die. They were losing their, um, like technology. They didn't know how to use certain things. Their culture was going away. Like so many bad things were happening compared to like how it could be. Yeah. He's not a great leader. No, no, not really. No. So like, it makes sense that his like, his daughter would grow up to want to try to save the people and like be better and like make sure they're not dying versus the king who's like we have to protect you and i'm like selfish much yeah yeah and i I, that kind of gets us into well wait you had one other thing right with the language yes i would really like someone to explain to me how Milo knows how a dead language is supposed to sound and how he can like speak it to the people that like actually speak the language and like be able to pronounce the words correctly. This is never adequately explained. No, because he's just like, oh, I studied dead languages. And I'm like, well, that's great and all, but how did you figure it out when it's just like, like you didn't have some sort of like, I don't know, dictionary or like way to decipher the language until you were presented with the diary yeah thing it was weird like he could read it but she couldn't i know yeah i had a problem with that too and that kind of gets us into the bad and the good because there was some bad around like they don't know how to read their own language and kind of that like oh ignorant indigenous people that whole stereotype was at play here And the flip side of it is there's definitely like a white savior complex problem going on here, too, where only the white guy, only Michael J. Fox's character can restore the civilization to its former glory. Like they don't give 
the indigenous people enough credit or agency in the story. It's like this outside white guy has to come in and fix their problems. And that was honestly my biggest hang up with the whole movie. Yeah, I will say that it is pretty annoying that it's the white person that has to cut like that. They had the story be like, oh, white people are the ones that are going to come in to save everyone. Yeah. Which didn't seem necessary. Like, I mean, I just didn't like it. I didn't like that part because like he was the one showing them how to use their own technology and different stuff like that, which means that they suffered a severe loss of their own like culture and understanding for some reason. And also they just like casually dropped that she's like 8,000 years old and no one really said anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a long time to live, but also a long time to like not know things about your own like technology and culture. So they just had those like, like the ships or whatever, just sort of like sitting around and no one knew how to use them. I know they had her acting like a 20 year old when she's supposed to be like thousands and thousands of years old. It just didn't it didn't quite click like there's a lot in this movie that just doesn't quite click all the way. Yeah, I kind of wish that they had gone a different direction on the whole like white savior thing and not done that. But me too. Yeah. Well, and, you know, they've gotten a lot better over time. Like, can you imagine Moana, where the main character was a white person who showed up and learned all the things that Moana learned instead, and then he went on to save them? Like, that's the kind of level that we're talking about. Like, they don't make movies in that same way anymore. And it's not that it's not a problem. Like, there's always there's there's always problems, right? There's always things they can do better. But like, they just missed the mark on this one. And again, this was 20 years ago at this point. Um, But it I had to call it out because that was my biggest hang up of the whole movie. Um, But it kind of gets us to the good. Like there was a lot of good in this one. There were um, action sequences that were pretty good. And they were like really good for Disney movies when it comes to action sequences. Um, There were some funny moments that worked for me, especially the explosion guy. But there were other ones mixed throughout. And I thought that overall it was like a decent action adventure movie. It's not what I typically expect from a Disney movie, but it, it was pretty good. I mean, they did a good job of, like, opening the door to having animated uh, action films because they do make many more after this. So this was sort of, like, the opening towards going that direction since they hadn't really done this before. And they also used, you know, a different animation style, which may not have worked out so well for them. But it was a step forward to try something different. And they also created an entire language just for this movie. So that's impressive. I always like when they do that. Yeah. I mean, like we've seen it in so many other places, but it was interesting that they did it for a Disney film. So. Yeah. Um, Would you watch it again, Katie? Yeah. Yeah. I said, sure. Like I, you know, it's not an gigantic. Yes. We're like, I'm like, yes, I need to watch this again. It's, then I could watch it if the mood strikes or if the right person says, hey, do you want to check this out again? Like, yeah, yeah I could watch it again. But that's that's kind of where I landed. Kind of an- ambivalent, but uh, slightly, yes. <laughs> um, if you guys want to watch along with us, what we have coming up next, we have The Living Desert from 1953. We're going to do Tangled from 2010, Treasure Island from 1950, and then Hocus Pocus from 1993. So all of that is coming up soon. Um, don't forget, we are part of a network. We have podcasts. We have streamers. We have the Geekery blog. We have all sorts of articles 
articles and stuff there. Uh, you can go to geek2geekmedia.com to get all of that or geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent right to you. And that brings us to Weekly Geekery. Katie, what'd you do this week? Um, I went and hung out with some of my friends. Um, we were obviously like very careful with social distancing and all that stuff, but we went to San Diego, which was nice. Cool. Um, I got to hang out with Chelsea, so. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I don't get to see her very much because she doesn't live super close to me, but she's a lot closer than Ireland, so. Yes, much better. Yes. Um, I'm also making some bold life changes in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> which is either smart or not smart. I'm not entirely sure yet. Yes, um, we will see. I'm excited for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited, just stressed about it. Yep. Um, and then more BTS stuff, because there's always BTS stuff going on. But they announced that they're doing a two-day online concert event. So they were supposed to go on tour um, in May, starting in May. And I was supposed to go. Chelsea and I had tickets. We technically still do. We are going to go to this like amazing concert. And then pandemic. So... They've done a couple of online concerts, but like this is like the concert, like the big one. So um, they're doing it over two days. I entered a raffle to be able to like be on the screen so like they could see me and I could see them. Oh, cool. The chances of winning are very slim. (laughs) I bet. But you never know. Maybe luck could be on I my will, side. So. I will root for you. Thank you, because I'm gonna look super fab on that screen at like midnight. <laughs> Good. Yes, I love it. The time difference between Korea and California is a hot mess. It's so bad. It is not ideal. No, 16 hours. It's so bad. But anyways, BTS stuff. It's always great. I love them. I'm gonna say they love me, but. You know. <laughs> cool uh for me the main thing this week has been a lot of new console hype um i mean you know that video games are a huge hobby of mine but then also one of my like ancillary hobbies to it is following video game news and following that industry because i think it's a really interesting media industry and i'm a student of media as we've talked about um new consoles only come around every it's about every like seven to nine years um sometimes a little less sometimes a little bit more but the new consoles are coming out in november and all of the details are finally out in the last week pre-orders just started going live so playstation 5 and the xbox series x are both in the news and on my mind and it's just super interesting to follow that story and watch it and to like see the pre-orders all sell out instantly because so many people are so excited for it so that's been a lot of what i've been paying attention to this last week my brother was able to get a pre-order for the new xbox sweet that's great i got a pre-order on the playstation 5 so i'm excited nice i have zero that's fine <laughs> that's okay you have bts i do have bts you do have bts Always. Uh, that's probably it for today you guys can find us all over the internet our email address is disney at gmail.com or reach us on twitter at disney ever pod um and you can talk to us in real time by joining our slack workspace and our discord server i blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the ease on twitter i'm also on the geek geek podcast with bj keaton and you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram by searching the handle at Lady Catherine P. And I'm also the co-host of two different, two different and other podcasts um, with my <laughs> best friend, uh, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. And you can't stop me loving K-pop.
This has been Disney Forever with Katie and Void. We'll be back next week as long as Disney keeps making content. That can't be forever, right? I mean, I apparently can't read stuff, so they could stop making movies. That's fine. (laughs) 